Hi, everyone. Welcome back to yet another show of Reinventing Finance. Um, with me today is, as usual, my co-host, Tom. Tom, how are you today? I'm very fine and very much looking forward to our conversation. Um, and as usual, it's not just Tom and myself in our little virtual echo chamber. Um, we're very pleased to um, invite uh, or have, have one Winnie Wong as um, a guest on, on our show. Hi, Winnie. How are you today? Hi. Great. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Nick and Tom. It's probably not a fine morning. Uh, I don't know exactly the time difference, but um, whereabouts in the world are you? Are you dialing in today? I'm in Hong Kong. It's um, 4.50 in the afternoon. Okay. Um, so, so Winnie, I guess for, for those of our, our guests who um, might not yet know um, who you are, why don't you just briefly introduce yourself? Um, who are you and uh, what do you do? Um, sure, Nicholas. Um, I'm Winnie. I am based in Hong Kong. Uh, currently, I'm running two insurance companies. As you can tell from my uh, virtual background, Asia Insurance is the biggest local composite insurer in Hong Kong, as well as one of the top 10 general insurers uh, here. And um, we have the longest history with over 60 years of solid and uh, profitable growth track record uh, in Hong Kong. We focus on B2B business and uh, we are also a shareholder of a number of um, insurance companies as well as reinsurance companies across different Asian countries. And the second one, Avo, uh, the uh, Avocado, um, it's the first virtual general insurer uh, in Hong Kong starting three years ago in 2019. Is an insure tech startup, and uh, we focus on B2C as well as B2B2C online business. Um, we target at bringing lots of innovative insurance products and solutions and a um, simple and straightforward um, insurance buying journey and claim experience uh, to our customers. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I guess the first question is, 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 Avo is subsidy, you know, subsidiary of Asia Insurance, like a that that digital direct mm. insurer. Is 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 that yeah, what it is? It's a, it's a joint venture. We have other shareholders as well, uh, but the largest shareholder is Asia Insurance. Uh, that's why I'm running both. And and what are the other shareholders? Uh, the other two shareholders include um, uh, Hill House Capital. It's a PE, a very large uh, PE firm. And the third uh, shareholder is um, Two Sigma from the US, which is a leading um, data analytics um, company. Um, and I think one of the largest in the world too. So um, they bring different expertise and knowledge to, uh, to us. I, and you know, this might be over-interpreting something. I just felt um, there were a couple of, um, kind of joint venture stories from um, from Asia that um, that just resonate really well. That it's you know not just one company. I want to own everything the way this most European insurance companies try to. It's like my, this is mine. This is mine. Whereas um, at least you know what what I glean is that uh, collaboration, um, strategic mm -hmm. partnerships at the outset of a venture seems to be mm -hmm. um, more 
common practice in, in Asia. Is that a fair assessment or would you say such a joint venture is quite unique um, in, in what you pulled off uh, for Asia Insurance and Avo? Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of the startups, it's very common to have um, different rounds of fundraising and they bring together different um, shareholders and investors. Uh, for us, uh, in forming the joint venture, we want to focus on identifying the shareholders with a common uh, vision and a long-term commitment because we understand insurance is very long-term. So we don't want to have a wide range of um, investors with uh, different expectations and, and different understanding of insurance. So for the three shareholders that we have identified, we know they can bring different expertise to us, like on data analytics, insurance, as well as on tech. So I think that, that would be a very good combination in forming the uh, JV. And I... I mean, it, it almost sounds so simple. It's like, yes, you know, shareholders should have a shared vision, you know, shared incentives, yeah. um, but it but it isn't, right? Um, so so what is it? What is your shared vision? What is it that that unites you? You know, what does success look like for for you as a for, for you as a company? For you as the CEO personally? Anything you can share? Yeah, of course, we have uh, different shareholders and and slightly different expectations as well um maybe i can talk about both just for your Please. interest yes um of course for asia insurance is a very mature um well-established insurance company and uh, we need different strategies uh, to support our different uh, vision mission and values uh, for asia insurance we focus on b2b business and corporate clients through insurance intermediaries uh, including brokers and agents as well as uh, banking and life insurance partners. Um, and I think our diversification and uh, consistent uh, services work really well. Um, we have achieved record high results in the past four consecutive years for both top line and bottom line. So I think that that's um, definitely something that we are quite proud of in terms of the, the track record we managed to achieve despite the challenges uh, brought by the pandemic. And for Arvo, um, which is very different, it focuses on B2C and B2B2C business with the objective of um, helping customers uh, live a fruitful life. The fruit <laughs> is it's our slogan. And we try to integrate insurance into um, people's everyday life and bridge the protection gap and achieve better financial inclusion, um, especially on some untapped uh, segments as well as uh, underserved segments and white space opportunities like the younger segment as well as the uh, insured tech uh, segments uh, the um, the tech savvy segments so when you it was it was interesting we um we had another conversation uh, also about protection gap in in, yeah. in europe um there mm -hmm. it was a lot about climate change it was about yeah. cyber um how do you, but it was also from a PNC, so it was kind of property casualty uh, uh, risks. How, wh what do you think are the top three um, protection gaps that you've spotted? Um, and, and maybe you've already answered, but, you know, is it, is it uh, health insurance of young, um, you know, young people? You know, what are the three major protection gaps and, and how do you 
intend to to bridge them what have you found works for you mm. yes i i did mention uh, part of it the the younger segment uh, who are not aware of the importance of insurance yet so we find that uh, it, it's something that we can start educating them and helping them more on and that's why we roll out a lot of innovative uh, insurance products that are more appealing to them for example we have e-wallet insurance uh, we have COVID insurance, um, we have uh, work from home insurance, things like that. So that, that will be highly relevant to the younger and the tech savvy segments. And health insurance is another area, which is quite big uh, in, in our part of the world, um, because um, we notice that a lot of people are only finding insurance important when they're getting older. But then when they're getting older, and they retire from their work. They don't have the company uh, plans to protect them. And they find it too expensive to buy the um, uh, individual policies for themselves. And very often they have um, pre-existing illnesses that they are not able to buy insurance uh, cover. So I think uh, it's it's definitely another big area. And, and that's why in the past few years, we can see that uh, our government, and as well as a lot of governments in, in China, in Asia, are trying to promote and support the, uh, support the health, uh, commercial uh, health insurance, um, and try to achieve better penetration among individual, at the individual level. So I think that's another key area. And that's why you can see a lot of uh, tax incentives Say in Hong Kong, we have uh, a lot of tax incentives. If you buy health insurance, then you can um, have tax deductions. So I think that's that's something that the government are trying to um, support too. Is it is it then fair to say that as um, you know, Asia insurance? You you talked a lot about um, growth, stability, top line, bottom line. Um, mm -hmm. That you. Um, almost want like want to be a dividend stock for your shareholders um i don't know are you are you stock listed that that's ultimately what you intend to provide stability um mm -hmm. whilst with avo it is um yeah it's 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 more it's more innovative um that there seems to be um yeah is 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 that is is that a fair assessment that um or have I missed anything from, from what you've said? Yeah, I think your understanding is quite correct. Uh, for Asia Insurance is mature. It's like a you know, well-established insurance company. While Arvo is a startup, we haven't um, achieved the, the break-even point yet, but we achieved a lot of um, um, partnership opportunities where we are able to um, get the, the um, insurance messages across so that they understand how insurance can be integrated into um, the everyday life of their customers or their members. And that's why I mentioned that apart from B2C business, we have a lot of uh, B2B2C partnership deals uh, with banks, with a lot of the retail partners. We launched shoe insurance with a big retailer. Um, and also uh, we launched um, uh, COVID insurance uh, as a CSR. Um, effort to donate the cover to all the hospital staff uh, who helped to fight the pandemic. So I think there are a lot of uh, creative ideas um, that we can really um, 
develop uh, and put them into uh, develop them into insurance solutions and it's much quicker for us to um, to reach the market as an insure tech firm because all the um, tech and all the tech, tech development and everything are done in-house instead of outsourcing so uh, the whole product development cycle is much quicker for us may i ask you what uh, because i like the combination of on the one hand let's say you have the startup environment mm -hmm. and on the other hand you have this more established uh, environment and, and most of the time people are only doing one of both but uh, in your situation it, it's it's uh, uh, let's say i would like to ask what are the learnings in your startup environment on the one hand mm -hmm. and are there learnings you are able to 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 also apply in your more established environment yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of learning, of course, from from um, Asia insurance. There are a lot of um, um, very good industry practices that Arvo can learn from, um, and and those are uh, something that is very important from the regulators' uh, perspective. And that's why I think regulators are very comfortable that we have um, very solid um, shareholders who understand insurance and understand how to run an insurance company, uh, which is a highly regulated industry. So I think that part is important. Well, at the same time, um, I think for Asia insurance uh, colleagues, they can also understand a lot more about um, how to um, uh, develop products based on clients' needs and how we can innovate it uh, through technology. And that's why at Asia Insurance, we are also embarked on the digital transformation journey some um, three years ago. And uh, we now are able to launch a lot of um, uh, service platforms online for our customers. So I think it's a cross-fertilization for both uh, and, and it's a very good synergy for us. Would you, because um, I, I think that's, I th that makes a lot of sense. And I would say that I would, I would expect any, you know, strategy consultant who's worth their dime would put exactly those bullets, you know, when advising of why, you know, uh, an incumbent should have a startup. Maybe is there, is there one thing that or, or or can you give a concrete example um where you say unless you've had the privilege of being in both situations you probably would have made a different call whilst you know your role at avo or your role at asia insurance company do, is, do you have like a concrete example where you said if i didn't wear both hats i probably would have made a different decision so it becomes just a little bit more tangible for me I think um, it would be something that is um, the art of striking a balance um, between innovation and um, this is actually a very difficult question. <laughs> yeah, um, a different learning. So I, I think Definitely, I think we, we, we had the right strategy of a different brand uh, with different market positioning, targeting at different uh, uh, market segments. At the Asia Insurance, we have a lot of insurance intermediaries that we have to work with. But then at Avo, it's purely online, it's B2C. And um, 
products are probably more on personal products. So very different positioning, very different strategies and business models. So for me, definitely, um, I think it, it complements very well in terms of our distribution channel and um, in terms of our diversification strategy as well. So I think that that's been working really well. Um, mm. So not only do you run two insurance companies with, uh, I would imagine, you know, different, well, clear distribution channels, products, probably different um talent i would imagine um you you also um are the chairman of the hong kong federation of insurers um so just just how many hours does your day have because they Same seem to you 24 <laughs> hours <laughs> but i have very good teams i'm lucky to have very good teams at different companies as well as uh very capable secretariats they are <laughs> federation of insurers yeah. Um, so, so what is it that you? Um, what is the Hong Kong Federation of Insurers? Um, you know, what's their what's that what's their goal, and and why do you um, decided to also um, support that initiative? Um, you know, you you seem to have everything going for you. You know, um, why why even bother with the federation? <laughs> you know. Maybe I can give you a little bit more background about the um, insurance industry in Hong Kong. Please. I have to say um, we are the most proud market in the world in terms of having one over 160 insurance companies in just one such a small city. It We have far more insurance companies than all our neighboring uh, countries in, in Asia. So I think it's an unbelievable. It shows that it's important to have an association, a federation that can represent a concerted voice of the entire industry because there's so many players, including insurers, reinsurers, as well as uh, captive insurers and live and non-live, et cetera. So it's very important to have a, a Hong Kong FI, such a federation to uh, represent our member companies. Um, we want to, um, you know, bring that voice, a uh, single voice to, to the market and um, build Hong Kong into a uh, leading insurance hub in uh, Asia Pacific. Um, of course, we also encourage the adoption of best practices and exchange of ideas among our member companies. And that's why we provide a lot of training programs, including a lot of insure tech uh, and uh, tech related training programs and sharing sessions among our member companies. And, um, we also promote the proper protection of our consumers um, to foster public trust and build confidence in our industry. And of course, uh, we um, also um, raise public awareness on the value and benefits of insurance. And to give you some solid examples on what we have been doing in recent years uh, in, in um, on the insure tech area, we launched an award-winning uh, blockchain-enabled and AI-driven platform to help combat uh, insurance fraud, that would definitely require concerted industry-wide effort in, 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 in doing it. And Hong Kong FI can play such a role. Otherwise, if all insurers are doing their own thing and build their own platform without an exchange of information, then it, it can never happen. And insurance fraud is something that, um, that we want to uh, deal with. 
um, for the entire industry. And we have also got an insure tech task force for promoting and supporting insure tech uh, activities um, in our industry. So I think we've, we've been doing a lot in supporting our member companies and supporting the development of um, insure tech too. So it, uh, it's very, very worthwhile um, uh, doing this uh, voluntarily. Uh, actually, this year I've been elected as their chairman, and I think it's a, they have a long history. And, um, and every year we roll out different um, initiatives for our, for our uh, uh, member companies. And a lot of the um, initiatives that we roll out in recent years require concerted efforts among uh, our member companies. And as you can imagine, it's so diverse and, and we have so many players in Hong Kong, we need a single entity to, um, to take the lead in doing it. I would, How, I would, sorry, go ahead, Tom. I would like to ask you because let's say you have, a, I think, a pretty good overview of uh, also those different, uh, call it uh, insure tech hubs or uh, ecosystems around the world. Could you perhaps share with us uh, a little bit those differences from your perspective? So on the one hand, you have, let's say, all those American companies will always discuss about lemonade, etc., and then you have we from a European perspective and they have Asia with Ping An and, and all those other big companies. What are from your perspective, the, the biggest differences? Bigger di biggest difference. Um, I think the um, first thing that is very different is the um, um, regulatory environment. Um, of course, you know, uh, you are a lot more familiar with the European and probably the US regulatory environment. In Hong Kong, we have a very business-friendly uh, regulator. Uh, the insurance authority was set up a couple of years ago. Before that, we, we had a self-regulatory system in, in Hong Kong. But this um, regulator, the reason why we say that it's a very pro-business is because um, they were set up with a mandate of regulating the industry as well as promoting and developing the industry. So they are able to strike a fine balance uh, between regulating uh, as well as uh, promoting the industry. So they are very approachable. I have to say that that helps us to um, come up with new ideas and they roll out um, the sandbox a couple of years yeah. ago together with the fast track uh, application of virtual licenses. And that's why we were one of the first to apply for the license. And so far there are four, four virtual insurer licenses in Hong Kong, uh, two life and two non-life. And um, apart from... Um, that we have sandboxes. Um, so it's the sandbox uh, helped to approve uh, some of the ideas that haven't been fully tested or we haven't got a, a regulatory regime to govern it yet, but we are able to test it with the, within a defined scope or timeline. Um, so far, quite a lot of insurance companies, including my companies, also submitted some sandbox applications and, and got quite speedy approval um, to uh, really test it in the market. So I think this is one um, significant difference. And um, the second big difference is I have to say that uh, it's the uh, commercialization opportunities. We're talking about different markets when you talk about the US market. And of course, for Hong Kong, we are closer to the Asian market as well as across the border with the mainland Chinese market. 
And um, in recent years, we've been talking about the Greater Bay Area opportunities. Greater Bay Areas include um, nine cities in southern China, as well as two special administrative regions. The two special administrative regions include Hong Kong and Macau, and we have one country, two systems. So totally different legal systems that we can continue to enjoy while there are a lot of um, opportunities to tap into the uh, Greater Bay Area markets in, in China. And the Greater Bay Area has a total population of 86 uh, million and a combined uh, GDP of uh, 12.6 trillion um, RMB, that is about 1.84 trillion euro. Um, it accounts for about 11% of the national GDP of China. And um, in the recent few years, we have rolled out different uh, connect schemes like Bond Connect, um, Stock Connect, ETF Connect, Wealth Management Connect, and we're talking about Insurance Connect as well. The whole idea is to try to um, integrate the market so that we have a bigger commercialization opportunity. We're not confining ourselves to the Hong Kong market alone with seven, eight million population, but we can commercialize it, connect it with the mainland China market with much um, bigger target customer base to work on. So I think that that's amazing. And that's something that has been uh, working quite well for a lot of the other connects. And we're working on the insurance connect as well. Thank you. Would, how, who, what type of, uh, let's say, capital or shareholders uh, did such a business-friendly environment attract? Is there a lot of, you know, foreign direct investment? Um, is this more regional? Um, you know, just to give roughly a, you know, roughly a split of who, um, you know, goes after this opportunity. Well, actually, it's from everywhere. You know, <laughs> okay. A lot of foreign direct investments, a lot of investments from Hong Kong, a lot of foreign firms uh, set up their, their footprint in Hong Kong and tap into the opportunities in the Greater Bay Area. So, um, yeah, we can see that a lot of these are happening right now. And a lot of mainland Chinese firms are also coming to Hong Kong to set up their regional uh, headquarters or sending senior executives to Hong Kong, trying to expand into Southeast Asia. So Hong Kong is a very good um, window for them to do that because we've got a, a, a different legal system, a very um, pro-business regulator, as well as um, a lot of the uh, uh, um, uh, support on professional services, especially the financial market as well. The um, Hong Kong is an international financial center with a lot of uh, listing activities happening in Hong Kong and financing activities happening in Hong Kong. So all these are making um, uh, the city so vibrant in terms of the development of insure tech activities. In fact, we have over 600 insure tech uh, fintech firms in Hong Kong now. Of course, I, I think... Uh, probably 15 to 20% are in short tech, but then the entire FinTech environment is very vibrant. And um, a lot of them are in our cyber port uh, in Hong Kong. They are the in incubator for a, a lot of incubation programs. And the government has also provided a lot of fundings around in tech and FinTech. They, they gave a lot of different funding schemes um, to support us. 
So we all have to move to Hong Kong then as entrepreneurs. You should. Yes, I yeah. really want you to to consider. Are there are there are there a lot of uh, let's say foreign entrepreneurs who also let's say move to Hong Kong? Yeah, you know what? I just had lunch with my um, ex-colleague uh, from the Netherlands. Oh, that's fine. Yes, uh, he's been in Hong Kong for, for quite some years now, and um, he's on trade credit insurance. He just told me, well, he likes Hong Kong and continues, he wants to continue to be based in Hong Kong, even though they had a big debate on where they should be based. Uh, but he's traveling quite extensively in the region, and Hong Kong is a very convenient location uh, for him to travel. Uh, because he covers asia pacific yeah okay yeah mm. would you would you because would you say you know what can we learn from each other and 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 i guess a a way for me to kind of phrase that so we um we we kind of get away from the normal bullet points right um is if you were to imagine that um you know, you 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 had to advise, I don't know, you know, a European CEO of an insurance company and your friends. Um, and of course, you don't really know exactly their setup, et cetera, right? But um, from what you've learned and what you've seen in Asia, what would be some hypotheses that you would bring over and say, listen, um, this worked really well for us. Um, I think you should try this as well. Do you have some, you know, and and we do talk about trade secrets here as well, if you care to share. But you know, is there is there something that you would you would suggest that colleague or friend? Um, yeah, yeah. If you're talking about say a a colleague or expatriate from say Europe, I would have to say that there are actually uh, a lot that we can learn from each other, and and of course there are a lot of. Um, um, learning that uh, uh, from Asia that we can make reference to. If you're talking about, um, say, a colleague or insurer from Europe, I think they normally have lots of technical expertise and deep industry know-how um, accumulated from the long history of insurance and reinsurance uh, in the European countries. And in Asia, I would say it's the ability and the agility to innovate and to scale up, capitalizing on the uh, amazing commercialization opportunities in the markets that I just mentioned. Um, I think a lot of the regulators and the governments here in, in our country, um, uh, our governments or jurisdiction, they're able to um, come up with some opportunities to foster the development of say, FinTech, InsureTech, as I said, they come up with different um, funding schemes. Uh, even for the young graduates, they are willing to give them some funding to start their own business. Um, I sit on the steering committee. I think it's very risky for the government to do that. We give them 3 million each, if, as long as they come up with a proposal <laughs> to uh, build their own startup. Uh, but then we still made the decision to go ahead um, we want them to learn how to start their own business. We know the, the, the successful rate is very, very low. Um, we, we still want to support them to learn. So I think it, it shows the commitment of the government uh, in, in supporting um, uh, startups, uh, supporting our younger uh, segment to go and to try on areas that they haven't tried before. 
So I think that's uh, something that that is quite amazing. And and conversely, would there be any areas of advice or expertise where you would say where you would ask, um, let's say a uh, let's just keep it, you know, a European seasoned um, executive to mm. um, tell you um, his or her tricks on, you know, what worked in, you know, European or UK markets? Yeah, well, actually, I think that, as I said, there's a lot of um, um, exchange of best practices that are happening and a lot of cross-fertilization, uh, given the different expertise, different background of um, insurers or practitioners in, in different countries. In fact, in Asia, in Hong Kong in particular, I think we are using quite a lot of the um, services from um, insure tech startups from Europe too. Um, I just mentioned that at Hong Kong FI, we, we have an award-winning platform to combat um, uh, insurance fraud. We actually use a, um, a blockchain service provider from France. So I think it's, uh, yeah, we, we love to um, use um, these insure tech partners from other countries as well, as long as they have relevant expertise and uh, experience and, and a solid track record in delivering the result we want to see. So a lot of cross-learning that I am seeing and happening in, in the market for us. So um, I, I, I don't think there are particular areas that we are uh, very good at. I think it's more around the insurance uh, regulatory environment and the business environment that is very different. So that's why I think uh, for Asia, now it's it's great opportunity to tap into the commercialization opportunities while the government and the um, regulators are so supportive. So, and, and that's why I think it, it's great timing. It's all about timing um, and, and it's, very good timing to uh, to um, uh, develop in our market right now. Yeah. Um, one of the themes of DIA is mm -hmm. climate change, ESG, sustainable insurance. Yeah. Um, I prefer the word "engelfähig." It's a it's it's a it's a German word, but basically encapsulate the social, uh, um, ecological, and kind of future aspects plus, uh, you know, value generating in, in, in one word. Um, now, in, in Europe, at least from my vantage point, um, the atrocities in Ukraine have put energy um, at everyone's mind, much more so than it was in the beginning of February. Um, now, I would, would, I would just like to understand in, in your view, what is the role that insurance can or should play in, you know, helping us avert disaster, uh, you know, for our children's sake? Yeah, that's a very good question and, and very important question. I just spoke at a conference <clears throat> invited by a reinsurer on sustainability. <laughs> so I think um, for the 17 sustainable development goals, as outlined by the United Nations, um, it's very wide in terms of the scope that we need to cover, and they're all important areas to cover. I think insurers can play a very unique role while on the one hand, we are taking and underwriting a lot of these risks like climate changes, cyber risks and all that. 
And um, but then at the same time, since we are taking and underwriting this risk, we are in a unique position in making effort to foster some positive changes um, into the uh, practices of our clients. For example, um, if our clients are insuring a property or risk or construction policy with us, if they have something um, uh, being damaged, how are, are they going to rebuild it and to what sustainability standards that they should rebuild their building to? And I think that's that there are somehow uh, some uh, different insurance um, terms that we can introduce in our uh, policies so that we can foster some positive uh, changes on sustainability. It, it's a very unique role that we can play, say on uh, agriculture insurance, what kind of you know, uh, terms that we can introduce so that we can foster some changes in the practices. It's doable, uh, but I think it has to be a one more concerted effort. There are a lot of different stakeholders in the process, not just direct insurers. We have uh, reinsurers, and we have um, the clients, the brokers, agents, and the consultants, and all that. And the client, uh, and and of course, you know, they have to buy into it, and 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 then support the uh, common goal and sustainability. And on the other hand, I think it's a journey. You know, as I said, it's it's very wide in in terms of the scope. We have to start now you know uh, if we haven't um, but then um, it requires everybody to play a part and it's a journey that everyone should play a part and I think they're top down they're top down as well as bottom-up approaches that we can we can do to make it happen uh, for top-down approaches of course it includes the uh, regulators guidelines um, as well as uh, the listing rules uh, something like that the laws and all that and then uh, bottom-up approaches um, at our level, we can introduce some environmentally friendly practices at our workplace and all that. And, and I think a lot of education and training can be done uh, bottom-up as well. So um, yeah, it, it is a journey, but we, we all have an important part to play. But the insurers have a particularly unique part to play, I believe. I would like to add, uh, because you you're, uh, have so multiple roles about, let's say, also the active role of the state, eh? because let's say you are also um, uh, talking about the Hong Kong uh, Federation of Insurers and, uh, and the supportive role uh, of the government. Um, uh, just to take this one example, if you just see the development of, for instance, uh, high-speed trains uh, in, in China, and you see what kind of disaster we have in Europe, because we're not able to build uh, this kind of uh, uh, trains, although the distances are often much shorter. Uh, are there any examples, let's say, from the insurance field where the state plays a strong role and asks or discusses with you certain topics? Because let's say, if you talk about climate change and we all already know those risks, uh, 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 you could also argue that the state should take the initiative and then discuss with the big insurance companies how shall we solve this and are there are there any practical examples you could mention yeah yeah you, you're absolutely right i think at the government level they they have a very crucial part to play uh, particularly for those countries that are very uh, top down like in china um, in fact, they are quite ahead in terms of introducing the um, 
environmentally pra uh, friendly practices and sustainability goals. Um, they, um, they can introduce some legal requirements uh, very quickly and with top-down um, uh, top down approach, you know, <laughs> to make it happen. So in fact, they are quite ahead. Um, I can give you an example. And uh, I, I believe it's definitely early days, more than 10 years ago, they have already introduced compulsory requirements for some of the major facilities like um, airports and uh, marine ports and things like that to buy uh, compulsory environmental impairment liability insurance. It's um, for a lot of the other countries, they haven't even started, but then they started quite early in terms of introducing this compulsory requirement. And the result of it is, of course, you know, people's awareness has been significantly increased in terms of the potential damage to the environment and the need to have an insurance policy to ensure that, that um, the risk is properly transferred. And of course, you know, insurers would introduce a lot of uh, risk management best practices to these clients to ensure that they, they have environmentally friendly uh, policies um, and guidelines. And on the other hand, I think it also helps to develop a lot of these suppliers on uh, waste treatment, on um, pollution control, on um, ESG, et cetera. So I think they, they, there are quite a lot of these suppliers because of the top-down legal requirements that they have introduced in China. So we can see that there is an area that uh, we, are, we are having a lot more investment in because in insur as an insurer, we are also an investor. We invest in uh, um, more, uh, a bigger portion on, on uh, uh, green uh, bonds as well as uh, ESG uh, funds and all that. Okay, interesting. We um, we had a recent discussion also about about that topic, and um, it was influenced by um, a French economist that stated that on the asset side, um, you know, it's all fair and square that we invest in I don't know, you know, existing renewable energy wind parks, but actually, you know, you buying shares in an existing wind park is not actually going to help the environment because the wind park already exists. Um, so, so what the economist said was, well, actually we need to, it needs to be additional. So it needs to invest in new wind parks, in new you know, projects on top of what we already have. And the answer of, of our other guest was, yeah, but the regulator um, kind of punishes that because the asset is more risky and thus you have to have more, uh, risk, you know, more capital behind it. Um, mm. Is there are there similar mechanisms at play in in Hong Kong, or is this also a way where a business friendly, forward looking, impact driven regulator is actually looking at it um, potentially from a more holistic point of view and to say, no, we actually want you to invest your assets. Uh, what's obviously protecting, you know, uh, your policyholders, but your assets into additional um, investments that help us pave a way to a, you know, more sustainable future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there are more and more such uh, requirements. 
uh, for, of course, listed entities to start with, and we are a, a listed entity as well. Our holding company is listed in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So um, that's why we have to have uh, increasing focus on uh, impact investment. And um, of course, the regulators are also focus, focusing a lot on uh, avoiding greenwashing. So exactly like what you mentioned, we have to identify and understand those are really helping the environment instead of just uh, being greenwashing. So um, uh, of course, that would involve a lot of education and learning because we are not experts in those fields, right? We have to ask more questions about um, the um, the um, uh, investment assets uh, to understand more details about whether they are really supporting the environment. Uh, a lot of learning in the process, but I think it's a good start given the, again, the top-down approach from the regulators, from the listing um, entities as well. So um, for insurers, um, of course, you know, for multi multinational firms, uh, they are uh, having a lot of um, um, focus on it already, given the headquarters requirements and all that. Uh, but then for local firms, uh, since again, at the Hong Kong FI level, we are doing a lot in educating our customers. And recently, we also engaged a um, consultant to help us to work on um, um, potentially um, supporting the regulator on an ESG guideline that is going to be developed for um, the entire insurance industry in Hong Kong. So there will be some standards, some guidelines that we can uh, make reference to, and that will be a lot more helpful. And then we will um, provide a lot of training sessions to support them and to guide them to, uh, um, you know, to embark on this journey. So uh, that's why we provide a lot of support to our SME insurers in Hong Kong too. Hmm. I, I mean, unfortunately, not unfortunately, again, I think, fortunately, we're running out of time because okay. this is supposed to be a oh, teaser right. for the DIA. Oh, you know, if, if everything, you know, could have been said that needs to be discussed and that should be discussed in an hour, you know, that would be a shame because we are looking forward to meeting you and others, enthusiasts, uh, um, you know, in 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 Munich. Um, so I think it's good that we ran out of time uh, because right. we can pick up where we left off. Um, but mm. kind of from from you personally, um, what are you looking to? What are you looking forward to at DIA? What are you What are you looking um, to get out of it? Um, I think at different levels from my. Um personal company level, we would definitely like to meet um, um, as many partners as possible. Um, lining up partnerships is a big part of what we do. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I think the networking part is something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And um, from the Hong Kong advice level, actually with, as I said, I've been talking to uh, Roger on the possibility of bringing DIA to Hong Kong. So I think that's um, something that we should continue our discussion on. And um, if, you know, DIA is going to be in Hong Kong, then we need to learn how to make it happen in Hong Kong. So um, yeah, like the podcast that you are arranging right now, um, I think that's um, very professionally done. And um, yeah, so a lot of things to learn. Uh, the, the, um, in my different capacities, other capacities. And of course, Invest Hong Kong wants me to, uh, uh, 
you know, uh, make sure that the um, European audience has a better understanding about the Hong Kong market. Um, so I said, okay, I'll come. Um, so I think that that's the reason I'm I'm uh, going to join DIA. And mm -hmm. awesome. No, yeah, I think multiple reasons for joining the DIA. I think I think you've touched enough that I believe you know um, there is something about that only unfortunately only experience can teach you. Um, and it's just so different when you've, you know, been there, done that, and you've actually walked the talk. And so I'm, I'm always um, drawn towards um, exactly those personalities. Um, and I think that, you know, um, your opinion and their opinion just holds more weight than um, someone, you know, who just talks, you know, as a bystander. Um, listen, Winnie, thank you so, so much for taking the time um and we are both very much looking forward to meeting you in person in munich uh we wish you safe travels um have a good time until then and um yeah looking forward to continue this conversation face to face thank you thank you nick and thank you tom look forward to seeing you both awesome. yeah, thank you very much take care bye